0: So uh how cold is it there right now?
1: Well, right now it is snowing in my front yard. <laughs> I man, I thought we were out of it and I'm looking out now and it is it is snowing. We're we're like on our 14th storm uh this week and so <laughs> it's just nuts here. We're we're on so many winters it just will never end. Uh it makes it fun. I, I I'm enjoying. It. I got to ski the other day. Uh, so, I mean, I've tried scouting, I've tried going mm. out, I've tried to go do hunting things and mm. it's hard when there's still four feet of snow on our trails. Wow. <laughs> it's like, what do you do?
0: <laughs> no, I, uh, you know, went and shot my bow this morning and we're going to go to the beach and spend the weekend at the beach and hang out with the, with the wives and maybe do a little kayak fishing and, you know, it'll be 70 degrees, you know, oh. It's a rough you're doing,
1: life. You're doing it right, and you've got a, a cool podcast as well, and uh, you got the salty yak going on. How long have you been after that? You've been doing uh, a while.
0: We're we're in season five, so five years. Wow. And it start and it did start off as saltwater kayak fishing, but it has morphed into more of an outdoor podcast, where we are doing you know we talk bow hunting, we talk rifle hunting, we talk you know hiking and camping some but freshwater fishing now it's just it's pretty much about whatever i'm doing is what, what we're talking about
1: my favorite thing off a of kayak is crabbing it's like it's my love language i could do that really for the rest of my life
0: wow you, so we you, just hit we just hit crab traps yeah yeah so
1: and you drop them off and you go pick them up and, and when you're pulling that crab trap up and you see them kind of crawling around there. That's a, that's a fun adrenaline rush. That's a high. I love it.
0: I'll take my cra- my crab trap and put it on my kayak. And then when I get out to the marsh, I just drop it off and then I pick it up on my way back in. So, so. great. I'm heading to Oregon next week,
1: actually. uh Nitar, it's Newport area. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to take a whack at crabbing. It's not the season, but you know, yeah. When I'm not shooting my bow, I, I'd rather just be, Crabbing is the greatest thing ever.
0: So you're doing that on the West coast. Yeah. Up, up yeah. in Oregon. So what kind of uh, crabs are y'all catching?
1: Uh, Dungeness. So uh, no- yeah. nothing yeah. snow or anything. And uh, you get some big ones. I mean, get- but this time of year, April, it's it's not going to be as great. Um, it's fall is, is the mm-hmm. time to go. And they're the meatiest, me- meatiest, meteor. <laughs>
0: The, the biggest, yeah. We're catching the the vast majority of what we're catching is blue crabs, and they're like, you know, they're like, yeah. That. So little, but, little guys. They the little, little guys. And even the smaller ones. Like we'll probably do some uh, some beach fishing uh, Saturday, and we'll use some of the smaller crabs as bait. Oh, that's fun! I love looking, it. Looking for uh, you know, probably some big redfish and that kind of thing. Yeah, oh, that's great.
1: Oh, so, yeah. Go ahead. The, Carrie, you're with me. Thank you. And uh, it's it's good to find we've been talking about this for a bit and getting together and talking bows, talking bow hunting, all things, all that
0: stuff. So thank you for, for joining. It's great to be on your podcast. I love listening to your podcast. And I'm trying to remember how I found you. You were on somebody else's podcast that I listened to. And then uh, I just started following you and started listening to you and uh, you know being a first generation bow hunter myself even though i started a little earlier than you did you know i'm still nobody in my family bow hunted when I picked up the bow
1: yeah it's it's quite uh an interesting experience of not having anything to model off of and and relying on resources and the internet and but we've all been through those different stages and sometimes those resources just are are tricky and uh and me like where I was modeled the most was skiing. Actually, you know, I was mm-hmm. skiing, skiing since five years old and competed and all that. I mean, it's just, I get on the, I get on the Hill and I'm just comfortable because I did it at such a young age. And, um, and I think there's people that bow on that way where they started at such a young age and well, yeah, it's hard to come in later, you know, but it's doable.
0: So when I started, there was no internet. I started bow hunting in 1983 is when I picked up a bow. Whoa! There was no, but I, you know, there wasn't even a bow shop. I just bought whatever Walmart had, right? The bow, the arrows, the broadheads. And there there was nobody there to teach me. But like you're talking about, my boys grew up bow hunting Mm -hmm. and they had a bow in their hands since, you know, they were little. And so they had me and other mentors, you know, to show them how to bow hunt where you and me. We just figured it out on our own.
1: What was that like back then? I mean, what, what did you do? Were you just trial and error? I mean, what was,
0: what'd you do? Just Tried to hit the paper plate at 30 yards. <laughs> I mean, you, you had an idea that, so I, yeah. I had, I had like a whitetail two bear was my first bow and, you know there was the spine chart. So you had an idea of what kind of arrow you're supposed to be shooting. Yeah. You know, and everybody's shooting 125 grain or so broadhead and you just, but you do nothing about tuning your bow. Really? You knew nothing about tuning the arrow. It was yeah. just, you just, you know, you sighted it in the the best you could and hope. And it took me six seasons to finally kill a deer, but I was just, I wasn't hunting the whole hunting season. Uh, I got into bow hunting so I could hunt a month earlier. Here in Texas, bow hunting starts in October. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hunt the month before rifle season. So that's why I got into bow hunting. And But as soon as bow season ended, I would pick the rifle back up. And then once I found a little bit of success, I just quit rifle hunting, and I just bow hunted all the time. But it took six years to finally shoot a white white-tailed doe.
1: So those first six seasons – what kind of interactions did you have? Did you have any close calls? Did you have any misses? I mean, what what was that oh, like? All the
0: above. All the- <laughs> so I remember, so where I grew up at that time, we didn't have any white whitetail deer. So we had to travel. And you know, me and a buddy from mine in high school, we saved up enough money that we could go do a day lease in uh an area that we call the hill country in uh kind of central Texas, but it just is known for the number of deer, not big deer, mm. the number of deer. And this guy ha- had pity on me and my buddy because we were just high school kids. Yeah. And uh so he let us come out there. And usually he, you know, he would like you had to like pay for three days and he let us just pay for one and a half. So we were able to hunt uh Saturday and half a Sunday. Mm. But I remember the first deer that I saw and it's coming in, and I'm sitting in a, on a bucket in some brush. And she peeks around the corner and, like, she's like 10 yards and she's looking right at me. And I'm like, oh, there's a deer. So I start to pick up my bow and draw. Well, she's looking right at me at 10 yards. You know what happened? But it didn't dawn on me that she was going to, you know, like run away when I picked up my bow. Oh. Uh. So it's just, it just, yeah, this, uh, just a steep learning curve. And then I had another one back then we were shooting feathers and when I, she's like 40 yards away, kind of coming my way. And I pull, start to pull that bow back and the feathers rub against the cable. She heard it. She left. And it was just, it was just time and time again, something would happen. Little would happen before I, I finally put it all together. Yeah. And then you know, making a shot, and then the first few shots were no good. You know, they were too high, they were too low. You know, we think about the rangefinder now. Mm. Uh, I had it was a very crude. It wouldn't. It wasn't a laser rangefinder at all. It was. It's hard to explain what it was, but range was was key, and I missed a lot because I didn't know exactly how far they were. Oh. A
1: feather the feathers against the string yeah. how close how close was the deer
0: uh about probably about probably about 40 yards what yes just a little the little zip when i pulled it back she heard it oh. and that's all it took you know i've had other ones where i'm pulling the bow back and in and the arrow like squeaks against the the uh arrow rest mm-hmm. and they hear that and they're done so it's just you know everything we learned has to be perfect and bow hunting is it's a challenge and that's why we do it but yeah six seasons and finally i had a doe come by at about 23 yards double lunger. she went about 50 yards and i was hooked wow and it it took i mean I, i i use now on my we actually have deer on the property where i used to live but uh and i use the bow hunting as a as a doe management so I shoot a lot of does with my bow but it's just you know it's getting experience so been been whitetail hunting a long time but as you know as we've talked about I'm just getting into trying to chase elk and mule deer and maybe even a little bit of pronghorn out west so I'm I'm brand new to that part of it
1: that's a whole other category I mean pronghorn super fun to look at, oh, they're they're so cool. I love running into them. They're they're mystical. I feel like, yep.
0: like yeah, we we yeah. were able to chase one in Nebraska last year, and yeah. cool. got sixty yards and a coyote spooked him. Oh. But uh, it, uh, I was hooked. I was like, I, they're beautiful, like you say, majestic. And I'm looking forward to at some point getting back because in Texas we have them in Texas, but. There's only one public land draw and they only give 10 permits a year. And wow. so there's a bunch, there's some out in West Texas, but they're on private land. Yeah. Uh, but there's one draw. I put it in every year, but no dice yet. It's it, that's Nebraska. I bought the 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 archery uh pronghorn tag over the counter. So I was like, you know, I'm doing this. because We're yeah. gonna be there for mule deer anyway. I'm like, might as well try. Oh. Have you done much Predator at all with a boss? Yes. Not with a bow, not with a bow. I've done a bunch of predator hunting, uh, coyote calling since I was a uh, a young man, you know, and just shooting them with a rifle or a shotgun. So I've never, have I killed one with a bow? No, my, my sons have. My sons have killed fox and coyotes and bobcats just as sitting in the deer stand and they come walking by. Oh, that's you know, cool. Most of our hunting here, uh, when I say whitetail hunting, we're sitting in, a, in some type of bow stand. We're not spotting stalking usually, so most of our stuff is sitting in a stand, just seeing what comes walking by.
1: Oh, I, I'm fascinated by bow hunting predator. I I want to take take my hand at
0: that a little bit stronger this year. I think it's super interesting. You know, you know a, a great all around season thing that we have here is hogs. Oh, because you can spot and stalk hogs. You can you can bait them. You can do multiple multitude of different things and uh, they are great um broadhead uh, practice and subjects to test your stuff out on
1: and what's that eating like how's that processing you know is it easier than a deer to process a little bit smaller but it's pretty heavy though right
0: it's heavy and they can have some thick hide and some thick fat on them mm-hmm. now the eat now you quarter them up and they're delicious, absolutely delicious. Um, but it's just, uh, they're fun to chase. They're fun uh-huh. to chase. And try shooting your bow at night.
1: Yeah, oh, serious? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun.
1: Do you have so, like, night optic stuff on there? I mean, we don't, I've never heard of
0: that much, yeah. but
1: they probably what, make it.
0: Yeah. What we usually do is we have a light on a feeder, it's just like a, a a green LED light. Yeah. And then you have lighted pins and is you know looking through your peep, put the pin on him and the, the the light, the area is already illuminated where he is. So it's uh it's not too hard, but it sure is fun. Oh wow.
1: That is that is killer. So you tell me a little about your first hunt, uh, you know, twenty three yards and drop yep. after 50. Um, what else about that hunt kind of made it work and made it successful?
0: It was an area that I had been to, that we had permission to hunt. So I had been there multiple times. So I'd finally figured out the pattern of what the deer were doing. Oh. So this was early season, sip, you know, October. Uh, and I knew that they would come out from this, this wooded bedding area and they would kind of work. It was just like a I think like a pipeline right away. Mm-hmm. and they were coming they would come down this pipeline right away and you know go out to a different area to to, to feed and I had set a ladder stand there and she finally you know I finally had one walk by within range to uh to get that done wow so
1: it just all came be and were you hypersensitive of all the noises cuz you're like okay I've been here before I'm not going <laughs>
0: to not going to make that mistake the noises in the in you know it I learned. I started putting moleskin on like on everything, the bottom of my the bottom of my sight because I'd had you know back then we were shooting aluminum arrows, yeah, and I'd had my aluminum arrow hit the bottom of my metal. It's like the little piece that goes around protects your sight pins. It had hit that and made a noise. I'm so at,
1: I gotta look at my bone now and see if <laughs> I, put I put some moleskin. There. <laughs> I'm, I'm just fiddling with my arrow rest right now. It's, yes, like rub, it's like rubberized,
0: mm-hmm. I guess. Now, but... I've worn that one off and had to go back and put moleskin on mine. Wow. Because, you know, uh, and I don't know that the carbon such a big deal when, it, you know, when you're drawing back that it makes any noise. But that's something I, I always listen for. Um, and usually now the sights and stuff, you're not going to, you're in the arrow rest we had back then weren't the best. You literally had to use your finger to kind of hold it on. And uh, so it could it could kind of bump around, and so your whole your whole sight window was moleskin because you didn't want to you didn't want to make a little one little metal sound, and they were gone. Man, yeah,
1: because obviously aluminum on on that it's yeah. it's like a ping.
0: Yep, It's like something a, just totally unnatural. Golf swing, it's like a yep. golf club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I've seen those arrow rests that you're talking about. I've seen them at like pawn shops, and you know, <laughs> and you know. Place. And and I look at him. I'm like, oh, you've got to, I mean, you've got to be so, there's no maneuvering. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays I got this fork sticking up, stick a hot dog between that thing, hold it, hold it still. It's yep. just fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. And the whole site thing, I mean, who, who even knew what second and third axis was years ago? Um, yeah. I really didn't know. I, I got back into, there was a time that I, I kind of got out of bow hunting and uh, I got back into it probably heavy probably three years ago. Oh. And uh didn't even you know, so a lot had changed. I've I've got a uh a diamond black ice that I bought probably 15 years ago is uh the last bow I had bought before my current bow. You know so much had changed between I was still I was shooting carbon off of those and shooting expandables and yeah. and all that. But uh so much has changed in the last 15 years to what I'm shooting now.
1: One question I've gotten for hogs, and I've never hunted hogs, but mm-hmm. what head do you prefer from a
0: broadhead? Expandable or fixed? <clears throat> either one of them will work. Yeah. Uh, if you hit that front shoulder, uh, nothing. I mean, I guess if you're shooting a 600 grain arrow and you're shooting a cut on contact fixed, you might get a little penetration, but they're pretty tough. So, but you shoot them where you're supposed to shoot them, and either one of them will work. That was one of your questions fixed or mechanical. And I've, I have I kind of go both ways.
1: Why, why do you go in and out?
0: <laughs> well, soft-skinned animals like whitetail, mm-hmm. I'll shoot them with a fixed blade. Not a fixed blade, a, a mechanical blade. Oh. But there, there's a special animal that I hunt down here in Texas that I will not shoot a, a mechanical on. You ever heard of a Nalgai antelope? Yes. Okay, so them son-of-a-guns are super tough, oh. super tough. So I only shoot a, a cut-on contact fixed blade, and I'm shooting a 620-grain arrow um, at those things. Those things are just I shot. I shot a bull one time with a 300 wind Mag, knocked him down at 200 yeah. yards, knocked him down. He got up, ran off. I never found it. What? Because they're notorious because they have super thick hide and they're notorious for not bleeding once you shoot them. Oh, my. It's like, it's like, it's like the skin just seals back up almost. Anyway, so.
1: And so you prefer a fix for those to just.
0: Yes. 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 Everything else. And I was kind of going back and forth about elk, and maybe you can help me out here. Yeah. Uh, But I think I'm going to go mechanical. Like whitetail, no problem. Mule deer, no problem. Elk. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. What's your advice on that? I think I've just heard fixed. Honestly, Mm -hmm. Um, good
1: penetration in there. They're tough, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all seen the videos where they get shot three times and they're still imping along and still
0: wanting to live. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's Man, they're, they're intense. Would you say, back to the, the one you were talking about, would you say that's kind of like an oryx?
0: Yes and no. So, if you look at the antelope family, uh, the biggest antelope in the world is an eland, right? And that's mm-hmm. from Africa. And they're, they're They're like moose size almost. So, this is from India. It's the second largest antelope in the world. And a bull can be... Seven, 800 pounds, like a bull elk, right? Oh. And, uh, but the, if you've ever, when you see a picture of them, they have these little short horns. And when they, when they fight each other during the rut, they get down on their knees to fight each other, but they're poking each other with those little short horns. So evolution has involved where they have this skin that's very thick and oh. it closes up very easy if they get poked. So oh. it's just, uh, but man, you talk about something. One, they're interesting. Two, they're fun to hunt and yeah. delicious. I've had I've had elk a couple times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife did a side by side taste comparison between axis deer, which is supposed to be like the best venison out there. Uh, she'd killed an axis, and I'd killed a, a now guy. And uh, she was like, "I would put, the, I would put the axis deer down to eat the now guy." It was just that, just mild, but a great flavor.
1: Oh man, that is, yeah. I love, I love the cooking part of it. I mean, just the whole end to end experience. There's Mm -hmm. just, there's just nothing better. Um, but yeah, back, back to the elk. So I've, I've never been in range and been able to take uh, a shot with an arrow uh, Mm -hmm. on an elk. I've I've been elk hunting. I've had some prized hunts, uh, for it. Um, but never, never, you know, had the opportunity. But from the research I've done, who I've talked to, yeah, you're, you're taking that fixed approach and yeah, he- heavy as you can, you know, build up mm-hmm. that arrow pretty heavy. And um, it's, gosh, they, they're, they're tricky. They're, they're, they are where they are, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and um, I, I'm looking forward to that though, this year for what hunts I did put in for, i um, having my son join me now and elk is going to be fun. I, I know way more than I knew years ago. And I think that's what's so exciting too True. is you, you hunt these certain species that are really difficult and it's just time is your biggest asset. Honestly, it's like when you get out there, you can just like, okay, I've done this before. It didn't work. It's not where they are. Um, but yeah, it, Oh, cause something else. They are just absolutely something
0: else. Um, and I just the just the more times that you can get after something, the better you're going to be. Yeah, it's you know just the just our learning curve with the now guy. Ch- like I said, I chased him with a, a rifle, and we've chased him two years now with the bow. And uh, you know so we went from killing the first time with bow, we didn't kill any. And uh, our I think we had a group of five, uh, and two out of the five killed an owl guy this last time and so if we get to go again this year and this is all public land public draw Uh, it 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 is in my opinion the toughest public land archery hunt in texas it's it's kind of crazy we can dive off in that if you want to later but uh back with what you're talking about your son dude this this is uh the magic time for you and him. My boys are grown and we still get together and hunt, but now you know taking your son out in the field, you're gonna be doing nothing but having adventures and making memories with him.
1: Yeah, it it just adds a whole nother dimension mm-hmm. of uh, you know, building a relationship and you go through these really hard times on a hunt. I mean, it's highly unpredictable, not mm-hmm. pragmatic at all. And you know, we, we've seen success about every time we've been out, quite honestly, he's seen a lot of success um, Mm -hmm. compared to my first few years of hunting. (laughs) And And that's because uh, of you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I know where they are. I know Mm -hmm. where they're not. And, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm thinking great. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, he doesn't have to go through maybe some of those really slow, like (laughs) high learning curve things and, and, and can just, Kind of work on other things because there's so mm-hmm. much to work on, right? I mean, yep. there's endless to work on. And so, yeah, that that elk hunt we did with the rifle and hiking out of there 15 degrees and it got that dark. That was a crazy story gosh. And, and I look back on that and, and he comes to me now. It's, it's kind of that experience where, you know, when you light the carpet on fire and then you tell your parents about it, like 15 years later, they're, <laughs> they're, they're kind of okay with it. Um, we're at that point now where he's like, Hey, I'm okay with that. You know, it's been a few months. It's, it's worn off a little bit. So uh, yeah, that's hunting for sure. And that's me too. I mean, I'll, I'll come away from a hunt where I'm like, dang, that tried about every bone of patience i've got and you recover pretty quick though sometimes it's you know really fuels you forward
0: Mm -hmm. you know you end up missing one and you're just like man i'm going to work harder 10 times harder as i did before so that that doesn't happen again or yeah and then there's the whole tinkering thing right you know playing with your arrows and playing with your gear and you know we're coming out west we're coming to utah in september to chase some elk and, uh, just, I've never backpack hunted before, right? I've done some mountain biking in Utah, had a great time, yeah. but I've never backpack hunted like we're going to be doing in September. Uh, so we've taken, a, we've, we took a little, uh, test run, uh, probably about a month ago, me and my hunting partner cool. went out to West Texas and hiked around for two days, uh, living out of the backpack. And we're going to do it again in June. Um, just make sure, you know, that we what we're thinking will work will work. Yeah. So, uh a and lot of I'm,
1: systems I, to test.
0: Yep. And then we're I think we're, you know, I know it's not a thing. I know in uh late July we're gonna actually come out and go scout the area that we're gonna hunt in September. So uh go. I think yeah, I cause that my biggest holdup for all these years of the reason I didn't come out west is cause I I it was just such a huge hurdle, and I was just too scared to go somewhere and hunt where I had never been there before. I guess I was sca- scared of the failure, but now I'm like, I'm 55 years old. I don't have any more time. If I want to hunt in the mountains and run around up there, I need to start doing it now. So, um, But, yeah, that's the biggest, you know, I think for a lot of people, they're just scared to go somewhere they've never been. So, just yeah. go
1: on that setup side, you know, setting up a new bow and tuning arrows and Mm -hmm. how would you kind of rank, you know, if someone's new to that and they're kind of working with a shop, but then Mm -hmm. there's kind of this funny moment when the the shop hands you the bow and the arrows and says, okay, we set it up, go have fun. (laughs) And you're kind of like, okay, cool. Like I just got my, my brand new Ferrari and I just started (laughs) driving a week ago, you know, like uh, what advice would you give to, you know, someone new and they just, everything's set up it's all boat it's all shop set up mm-hmm. what what do you advise on them on that next step
0: work on your uh say your process work on making sure you're you know the anchor point's the same every. and you don't have to be shooting at any distance with this you can actually i've got i've got it set up in my garage where i can shoot like it's probably seven yards right but Mm -hmm. i can go out there and i can shoot every day and just work on i'm anchoring the same place i've got i've got a little kisser button that touches the the edge of my nose to make sure i'm i'm doing that and i'm looking through the peep the same way and just work on the process just work Mm -hmm. on your form that's the word i was looking for work on your form first and get that locked in so that that's the muscle memory is there for your form
1: That, you know, the distance thing is what confused me the most because I just thought it's got to be 20 yards, got to be 30 Mm -hmm. yards. You've got to have that distance. Practice isn't worth anything unless it's at some substantial distance. And and I wish someone would have told me that a long time ago, just five, seven yards. and
0: Just work on form.
1: I I was so worried about grouping and accuracy. And, you know, my form came so much later of Mm -hmm. giving it attention.
0: You can, I mean, you work on the, the you know, the 20 yard grouping and all that too, but the days that you can't get out there, bad weather days, right? Yeah. Or I've got home from work and I've got, you know, I got all a 10 minutes or 20 minutes to do something Well, I can just step out in the garage and, and fling 10, 20 arrows and you know, just work on form. Don't even worry about where it's, you know, make sure you hit the target. Cause your wife <laughs> might not be very happy punching holes in the wall in the garage, but yeah, just work on, that would be my advice to somebody who was just starting off. And then the other stuff, you know, it's like the building blocks. We'll put that together. We'll work, work on the 20 yards and work on making sure. Yeah. They give you the bow it's tuned, but now you have to sight it in. Yeah. And one thing that I, uh always you know tell people is like when you're sighting your bow so you ain't dead center at 20 yards and it hits three inches to the left which way do you move your pin? I know
1: it kills me every time
0: <laughs> you'll always move your pin towards the where the arrow is hitting. Yeah. So that that and then that, it just took me a while to, to 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 get that concept in my mind. Uh but yeah some people are like well I don't know what you know just always move it towards where the pin is hitting, yeah. So that's. uh
1: But it's funny though, because isn't rifle k- opposite?
0: <laughs> well, you're looking at the rifle, and you know, of course, you most time I'm looking at an optic, and you just turn it. You know, if it says left or right, that's bullet impact. So you're just moving it whatever which way the arrow tells you to move it, right? Yeah. So you're not actually having to move the the actual sight. So, but uh that gets a lot of people, especially in the beginning, like which way do I move that sight?
1: Well, i tell you when that arrow starts going farther and farther Mm -hmm. away and you're like, I'm about to go off the target. If not, I do go off the target. (laughs) Been there. And you're just like, what am I doing? And yeah, I I think that's where I really hit my head a few times of like, like I know I'm trying to make this work, but I'm doing it completely opposite of what I'm supposed to do. And yeah, that you learn, you blow up a few arrows doing that. You learn it quick. (laughs)
0: the uh of course now use everything to your advantage now there is the internet now there is youtube and there's a a lot of good stuff out there on form and how to sight in your bow and you know if you need to you know and i've been down this whole rabbit hole with this new bow uh paper tuning Mm. and not tuning and weighing the arrows and making you know i've went down that whole rabbit hole of uh of doing all that stuff. And you know, just depending on what type of person you are. Uh when I grew up, I always reloaded, we always reloaded our own rifle shells. Yeah. So I was all super into that. So building my own arrows is like reloading for my bow. Yeah. So I love doing the whole arrow building process and 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 doing all that too. So if they start doing do go ahead.
1: Yeah. If they start with form then mm-hmm. they go naturally. You're gonna sight in the bow. Mm-hmm. You're just dialing the sight. W- would you go to arrows? Would you? Because knock tuning actually is is fairly simple.
0: It is. Yeah. It is. Once once you kind of figure understand what you're doing there, um, it is. You know, and hopefully your archer in hopefully your archery shop gave you the right arrows that are properly spined for. For your for your bow, yeah. but when you start thinking about, I'm going to add more weight onto the front of something, that changes, and so maybe what they you know, maybe your archery shop didn't give you the right spined arrows for the what end of weight you're going to. So you've got to kind of figure that out. This last setup that I did, I bought twenty five grain inserts, fifty grain inserts, and seventy five grain inserts. I'm shooting a stainless steel collar that goes on the outside that weighs 25 grains. So I glued up three arrows with the 25, the 50, and the 75 grain and shot them all through paper and figured out which one, which weight was shooting the best out of my bow. And that's what I went with. It turned out to be the 50 grain one shot the best out of my bow. So, but I was shooting, I was determining that shooting it through paper, which one was making the bullet hole. At that time, I didn't it was shooting it with no fletchings, which one was making the bullet hole? Oh. And it was the because uh, if it's coming off that rest, at, you know five or seven yards, and you're shooting a bullet hole through paper, it'll fly. And the other thing, if uh, you got one of these,
1: yeah, this arrow spinners. I don't have an arrow spinner,
0: dude. Get it because as you build them, all right, I'm you can spin them. Yeah. And if it, if it will spin true, it will fly true. Yeah. And if you end up digging one out there in practice, you can take it back, run it on the spinner and figure out if something's knocked out of a line or something. Uh, I've had that happen. I'm like, well, that one seems a little weird. And I've got all my numbered and I'll bring it back and put it on the spinner and like, oh, yeah, it's got a wobble in the end of it. So.
1: What happens if there is a wobble? Is it is it lost, lost cause?
0: maybe not it depends oh. what, it depends what's causing the wobble if it's you know the insert or something like it could be just a field point had got has got like a, a you like hit a rock and flatten the tip of it yeah you might just be able to swap out the field point oh. uh, a lot most of these inserts and stuff line up really well to the inside diameter of your arrow um so usually it's something like that sometimes you have to take the the, the components out maybe swap them out with some new components um but you know, Usually not too bad of a deal, That's but good. if they will, if they will spin true, we used to do it with the aluminum arrows. I had a, had a plate of a little square of glass and you would stand it up on the end and you would spin it on that glass. What? Mm-hmm. Back in the day.
1: Back in the day. <laughs> That's like some arrow whisperer type stuff. That's yeah. cool. Well,
0: I, I am I just dabble in this stuff. I've got yeah. some buddies that I've got two guys that have a little personal archery shop and they're my go-to guys to tune my stuff to my bow. I don't know anything about tuning a bow. I love playing with arrows and yeah. they do too, but uh, just, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a now guy arrow and I've got a, you know, a, and I've got a now guy arrow and then I have my, my hunting tack and everything else arrow. I have basically two different builds. But uh, now I have a bunch of five. I'm shooting four millimeter arrows, but I've got a bunch of five millimeters of arrows over here that I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with.
1: Yeah, so I've got four mils, and mm-hmm. I, I haven't shot them in a while because I, I kind of been going the five. But what do you use the four mil for mostly?
0: My now guy, I'm yeah. shooting a, a vape SS that stainless steel weave, and I'm I, I want it. I want that small diameter because I want as least drag as I have as it goes through that animal. Yeah. Want it to go all the way through. And you're doing that for elk too. Uh I'm actually probably gonna shoot my uh no, I'm probably gonna just shoot my old east end axis at uh I don't know whether I'm gonna use the fives or I'm gonna use the fours. Um
1: that's the other side
0: I've
1: heard is fours yeah. is, is good yeah. for elk.
0: So you know they talk about less wind drag, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe if I'm shooting antelope, maybe I'll shoot. Make sure I shoot fours, but you know, and there's a hole. like I said, there's so many rabbit holes. I told you I weigh, I weigh the the arrows individually and try to. So all of my arrows are pretty much within two grains of each other uh, once the final build is done. But there's you know, there's rabbit holes because you, the whole fletchings which the bitch. F- best fletching to use. And yeah. you know, it's all, it's all crazy. Endless. <laughs> it is. It, and, but I, I love that part of it. I love that yeah. part of it. And it's, and it's so much like, like I said, I, I do a lot of uh, the, the kayak fishing down here on the coast. And it's like kayak fishing. Cause it's, it's its personal choice. You know, Yeah. what, what rod I use and what reel I use might not be your favorite. It's same thing with the, the arrows, but as long as it, you're having fun with it and it's getting done, there's no wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've tried to advise people to, you know, have fun with it. Remember, like mm-hmm. we're having fun out there. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't get so tied up in the the mills and the weights, and uh, you know, hit the target and and you know, go go from there. So, yeah, I, I think that's important. That's a good reminder.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'm at a point in I love chasing whitetails. What I have here, yeah. But I'm at a point in my life I like to go chase other things, but. I also like being the mentor. I love taking people hunting. I love a you know a friend of mine, he, I put him on his his first whitetail uh here a couple of years ago with a bow and I put a young man uh he shot his first deer with a rifle last mm. year with me and now he's like now I want to go bow, hunting. I'm like I will I will help you out. So if there's people, you know, I love helping people. Uh and, one reason i started the the podcast that i have and it's the same thing with you you just that's why you're here you're teaching people hey i'm kind of new to this but i've got some experience i'm hopefully you can you know find some value in uh what i can help you with
1: yeah absolutely what would you say you know when you kill your first animal with a bow and there's just that like holy like I, I feel like our ancestors are like surrounded by us and they're like cheering us on and mm-hmm. we're like floating, you know, just, it is, that first one is unbelievable. How would you compare that to helping someone else get their first animal? What What's that like?
0: I'm probably more excited for them than yeah. I was when I do it myself. Wow, It's, it's just, just to see that the, the joy in the, just the whole emotion thing. So I've got a little YouTube video, a YouTube channel that it's just kind of a personal thing that I do. It's called dark. I think it's dark archer raw on that video on there is my youngest son, Nicholas killing his first deer with a bow. And when you see him at the end of the video, when he, cause I actually see the deer first. So a little, I think it's a little five point bucky shoots. Yeah. I see that. I see the white belly on the other side of the Creek. And so I'm kind of kneel down and I've got the camera rolling and I'm like, Hey, what's that over there? And just the expression on his face. Oh. And then he just like flies across the, it's a dry Creek bed, but he, he flies across the Creek and he is just, just blown away. Here's his oh. first deer that he's killed with a bow. Uh, and he's probably all, um, uh, maybe 10, I think maybe. Man. So Again, when you, when you've got somebody who's like, you know, showing you the ropes, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of easy or easier, not easy, but easier. <laughs> but, uh, it's just that, you know, whether, you know, in I'm encountering more and more adult onset hunters, I've got guys at work that, you know, like this guy that I took rifle hunting, he didn't, he didn't have a, uh, somebody in his life to show him, you know, what it was like to go hunting. And I'm I'm encountering more and more of those now that I took this guy hunting and we we put some pictures out there on Instagram and that kind of thing. And I had two other guys that I work with, and like, hey, uh, could you help me? And I'm like, dude, yes, yeah. I can help you. What do you want to do? And yeah. so it's just it's just very satisfying that uh, I can help you know other people you know, enjoy what I have come to learn and enjoy so much.
1: That's great. Yeah. And, you know, someone headed out on their first hunt, you know, what's one thing you would just kind of advise them, you know, and there's so much to go down, but what's just Mm. like the one thing you would just be like, just do this. And, you know, and and it's going to be, you may not see success, but you'll be set up for success.
0: First thing I would tell them is just enjoy the experience, right? Just, you know, Enjoy the moment that you're there in. And then when it happens, when it starts to happen, you know, we all are going to have unsuccessful things. And just be able to look at that and not just get too down on that. Uh, you know, whether you, you miss or maybe even, you know, all of us, probably all of us, without a doubt, have made a, a bad shot. And have not found an animal, and I know that that rides on a lot of people, even myself. You know that you're down. Just you know, take that as a learning experience, and just don't beat yourself up too much about it. Yeah. Now, as far as not like going on your first hunt, I mean, I'm a prep guy. Make sure you got all your stuff. <laughs> don't leave your bow and release in the truck. You know, just you know, I'm, I'm, just make sure that you got all your stuff. Yeah, and then the, you come prepared, you know, make sure that you've, you know, if when you're successful that you, have you know, you got the knife to do, to do, the, to do the, to do the scanning and the cleaning, you know, make sure that just think it out and, uh, make sure you have the right stuff when you go out there. That's so true.
1: Uh, speaking of gear too, I mean, over the years, you've probably seen a big evolution mm-hmm. archery at bow hunting. W- what's been some gear that has just been like, you know, whether it's just, creating more comfort out in the field or just like, Oh man, I could not have done it without that piece of gear. What, what's been some big game changing gear for you?
0: So, uh, my, one of my, I have two Instagrams. One of them in the salty yak and the other one is dark archer one, five, nine. And so this whole, it came from, so that name came from this, the pop-up blind, the double bull pop-up blind. Mm where you can sit in it with a black t-shirt, you know, and a little black hood net of black hoodie and maybe some black gloves. That has been game changing on how as a how successful I am as a bow hunter. Because yeah. that deer can be looking right in that blind and you can draw and as long as you're totally silent, they're not going to see you. Yeah. And you can make the shot. That 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 pop up blind where you're just blacked out inside and that whole shadow box effect, that has been probably the biggest game changing, most successful thing in my bow hunting career. I like to hunt out of a tree stand, but there's just something too about being eye level with them in hunting. And now, you know, we're talking white tail here right yeah so um that that works really well for the style of white tail that i hunt the two does that i killed this last year 11 yards and 13 yards oh yeah i love to see how close i'm in the i'm in a pop-up blind (laughs) because i don't i don't think it would be very 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 hard to do that on the ground with them that close right but The setup that I have, I like to have them close, and I shot both of those probably 25 minutes apart, and they died within five yards of each other probably. They didn't go – both of them, I watched them. They didn't go 30 yards, but uh, just doing a little doe doe management, doe control. Um, But, yeah, that pop-up blind. That is cool. For the style of hunting that I do. Now, the other thing that I have found here more recently, have you ever heard of A3? strings
1: i haven't gotten into strings much so i don't i don't know well, the my branding. buddies
0: my buddies in my archery shop turned me onto these things okay so it's a waxless bow string hmm. number one he pre-stretches these things so much that they never stretch so the the string that came on my bow um Three or four months into it, I noticed that my peep was, my peep was turning, and there was some other stuff going on. It was just, it was just the string stretching. These strings don't stretch, and you never have to wax them. They they they're made with this preparatory, water resistant, dirt resistant fibers, and you never have to wax it. Huh? Doesn't stretch. And the, there's people that are, you know, 10,000 plus shots out of these things and still shooting the same string.
1: One thing I notice on my string is y'all, you know, you know, y'all wax it or whatever. But before I wax it, there's always just those little strings like phrase and mm-hmm. nothing concerning, but I don't like looking at it. It freaks me out a little bit. Are you not getting those?
0: Yeah. So you still get those a little bit. Okay. And I'm kind of looking at you and it, because I, I had them, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to the guy, the, the guy who, who makes them. He's on Instagram, super responsive. I'm like, hey, is this something I need to worry about? He goes, uh, do you have any facial hair? I'm like, well, at the time, <laughs> I, had, I hadn't been at, at work for like three weeks. So, yeah, I had like a partial beard. And it was just the facial hair rubbing against the string when I because it was just in that spot. Yeah. Oh. So maybe your little facial hair is caught, but it's usually not a thing. But you can, if you're waxing it, you can just wax it and it goes away. These yeah. strings you don't wax, so but it's it's not a problem.
1: I thought he was gonna do some really intense metaphor of like. <laughs> do you have facial hair? And you're like, yes. <laughs> I was like, well, our, our strength. <laughs> I didn't, I was hoping for more, but. Um,
0: Sorry. Just re- your, your, whiskers rubbing against your string. <laughs>
1: Dang. Okay. I got to watch that closer then. Cause it, maybe that's what's happening. Cause I've had this out, my little salt and pepper, uh, weak sauce beard for a bit. Now. I wonder if that's what's okay. That's it, good. It
0: could be. And you, you do get those phrase just from general shooting. Yeah. Um, but I notice on this string, the only place I get them is where I had some, a little bit of beard or a little bit of stubble growth that, that rubs up against it.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Well, I love that. I mean, yeah, strings are, are interesting. It, it's something that it's intimidating, right? I mean, it's not like you just crank oh, yeah. out and swap it out, you know, oh, but well,
0: I don't, but yeah. I know guys, <laughs> I know some does. guys, uh, that, that. Know all about that. Yeah. I, I'm putting a bow in a bow press just scares the living daylights out of me.
1: I did it my first time uh last week, sent them this mm-hmm. new bow and I tied my first D loop. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't tell you the anxiety. I and I'm you know, y- you gotta fray the thing, you you light it on fire and you you try to get it to dry. And I was looking at it. And, and with my buddy and I said, I don't feel good about that. He's like, well, if you don't feel good about it, retie it. I'm like, okay, retie it again. I'm looking at, I'm like, I don't feel good about that. <laughs> I retied the D loop three times. I, I just, and then I pulled it back and we shot it <laughs> just to see if it was coming off the rest fine. And I can tell you that was high anxiety, high. I just was like, oh, this thing's going to pop. So...
0: That's why Ooh. I have a I have a guy. If I need a new D loop, I just take it. and I, I know there's probably a YouTube video I can watch it, but I got a guy. I just I don't trust myself. I'm just I'm afraid that I would pull it back, and it would come apart, and you know it would be just disaster.
1: Oh, it is no. You got to get a guy. You, mm-hmm. you need a guy. <laughs> and,
0: you know, and that's the thing. You know, we talked about the bow shops when we first started. You know, to have somebody that you have confidence you like and you have confidence in. Uh, yeah, is, is key that you know. Hey, you know, you got your go-to guy. You know, you can take your bow to, and you know, hey, I'm putting on a new site or I want a new rest, or, oh. or whatever. So uh, it's good to you got to have those kind of people.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that, and, and just even talk about the ground blind. You know, I've seen those, and but I do so much kind of backcountry hunting. Yes, I have thought about. You know, I, I I saw a guy hunting one time and he comes down the mountain and he's got these big bins on the back of his bike. And I'm looking at these bins and I'm like, what do you got going on? And I can tell he's bow hunting. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm setting up my cache." I'm like, for real? he's like, oh yeah, I've, I've got a lot of gear out there and I, you know, stash it and all this stuff. And you know, it's public land. So there's a little bit of risk there, but I mean, if you're hiding stuff pretty well, um, Mm -hmm. but I've always thought about that. I'm like, man, what would it be like to trek out there with with a ground blind and and really be able to just be invisible
0: you know i don't know that i would do that out there because i so much of the spot unless you just had you had like a spot right you had this spot that for some reason these animals were coming to Yeah. yeah then maybe but man i just like when we mule deer hunt up in the panhandle you know, it's just spot in stock. and stop, yeah. And that's that's our plan, you know, when we go to Utah or when we go to Arizona. Hopefully, maybe we get drawn for New Mexico. We get to go to New Mexico. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, that, that's it. my plan. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you know, need in it. And the, the biggest thing for me, uh, in, you know, you're living in Utah. You live this. like, I'm trying to find a good pair of boots. Yeah. And, you know, I bought me a really good pack. I had a, I, I had a decent pack that I had. I carried out a couple of mule deer in from rifle hunting. Um, but then I bought this new pack that's made for carrying weight uh, in backpacking. And I'm like, Holy cow. Totally, totally like the best 700 bucks ever spent. What did you get? Uh, I bought a Kufaru. Um, this one's the hellbender. It's got mm-hmm. the hellbender bag on it. But um, when me and my buddy did our little trip out to West Texas a, couple, a month ago, we did a day where we did twelve miles in in ten miles, his back was killing him. And I'm like, I had no and I I was a little over fifty pounds. He was like 47 pounds. Yeah. Um, and I was like, my my shoulders don't hurt, my back doesn't hurt. Wow. Uh my boot my, my my the boots were too flexible for all the rock we were walking in. Yeah. But uh yeah, those are two things that I'm learning that don't skimp on that kind of stuff. You know, try to get some get something that's comfortable. It's got to last. And I and I, I've become a firm believer now. I'm a little older, and I don't have any kids at home anymore. But buy once, cry once. Yeah. You know, and I know some. you know I can remember when I was a young man and had young kids. You know, that's you can't always do that. Yeah. Um, but having good gear and it doesn't have to be the most expensive stuff out there, but just good gear that you've tested and that you know that works is, uh, just having the confidence in it is worth the money you spend on
1: it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do tend to lean people towards a little bit more higher end stuff. I, I think we all go through that evolution a little bit of like, what's the cheapest way I can, you know, experience this. And it's like, maybe that's not the right answer. Maybe it's, what, what's the most efficient way or what's the, what's the most comfortable way I can do this mm-hmm. and, and still, you know, afford it and make it work. But, uh, you know, really exploring some options because yeah, we're just putting ourselves in a lot of vulnerability in the outdoors when we really get
0: out there. And it's pretty much everything that we do, right? So skiing, you know, I'm just getting into skiing. Do I need to buy the most high-endest, you know, best skis? I don't know. Yeah. Kayak fishing guys are like, well, do I really need that $4,000 Hobie pedal <laughs> kayak to fish out of? No, yeah. the best kayak is the one that's getting you out there fishing. But yeah. I'm going to tell you, a pedal kayak is way easier if you're fishing to fish out of. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of different things out there and, you know, different strokes for different folks sometimes. But it, yeah. it, 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 the money thing, whatever it is, golf underwater basket weaving doesn't matter
1: <laughs> you know
0: stuff's gonna be more expensive you uh, look side question here you ever fly fished oh yeah oh yeah don't give yeah <laughs> i got I, guys going hey you, you you should yeah
1: it's it's fun you know that was <laughs> that was uh my dad was a big fly fisherman and mm-hmm. taught me a lot and i Got into time on flies there for a bit. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. I, I, I'm i pretty bad at it. I, I'm not great at it. it I, I struggle with, you got to know how to read the water, know what to put in there. It is, gosh, there is so much to it. It is a mm. whole, whole nother deal, but I enjoy it. I mean, when you're not catching anything, you, you sort of feel like you're in the river runs through it. and You feel pretty cool. <laughs> um, but you know, catching is definitely a lot more fun. Um, but yeah, no, uh, fly fishing. That's a good example
0: for sure. I'm like, uh, I got guys are like, Hey, you need to try this. I'm like, I don't need another <laughs> hobby at this point. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I, I I love to fish and it looks really cool, Yeah, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh don't think I want to jump off into that pool just yet.
1: Yeah. It's just an energy thing too. It's just like time and energy. It's like, I can only dedicate so much and exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Well um, let's wrap up here. I want to hear your thoughts on a, you know, what routine and and practice do you recommend to others? Tell me about yours. How often are you practicing? And, And what's just a little, little bit of thought there for, for new bow hunters.
0: I try to, I try to shoot some every day. Doesn't always happen but it's, it's more than just doing the shooting part. Mm -hmm. Um, far as your practice, if you're a bow hunter, we're not talking to, you know, target archer here, if you're a bow hunter, you need to be practicing. Like you bow hunt, you need to be number one, shooting the same arrow that you're going to be shooting when you're hunting, when I'm shooting a fixed blade. I have fixed blades, the exact f- fixed blades that I use just for practice. I'm shooting the exact, and I, so I've got a, I've got a target. I know I buy a block target one every year because I'm going to, sh- because it's instantly shooting the broadheads in it. You're going to shoot the holes in it, right? Yeah. But that's the sacrifice I make to know that I'm shooting my hunting arrow is hitting exactly where I want it to hit. Right. So practice with your your hunting arrow. To practice with your gear that you're going to wear when you're hunting, your bino harness. Um, When we're hunting down in South Texas, hunting those now, guy, I'm wearing a. I've got a ghillie top that I'm wearing. Oh. And are, are you wearing? Are you wearing a face mask? That's going to change a little bit how you how you anchor a little bit, or how it's going to feel when you anchor. So practice with those. Practice from the positions that you you might be taking shots at. Kneeling, standing—you know, your feet aren't always going to be perfect. Are you sitting? You know, we sit in the bow blind. So have you have every shot sitting from from a stool? Practice all the different positions. Practice, uh, you know, the up and downhill. You've got a lot more of that than I do. But yeah. when we went to Nebraska, we found a place here where we could shoot up. You know, it's probably. Uh, 80 to hundred yards to the top of this pretty steep hill. So we could shoot up the hill and we could shoot down the hill. Cause we knew where we were going to Nebraska. It was kind of it was kinda of hilly like that. So it's uh that's practice the way that you're gonna go hunt. Um, uh, is the one thing that I would say. And the other thing is, and it's kind of hard to do, and you have to use some imagination, but put a little pressure on yourself. Right now, and I've tagged you in a couple of these where we're doing the uh the bow hunters challenge. Yeah. So it's a little monthly online tournament that we do, and I, I shot I shot my course today. I haven't scored it yet. I don't think I'm going to be in first place, but um, but just shooting those targets and knowing that you're competing against the other guys out there puts a little pressure on you. You're like, ooh, I need to make this shot. I need to make yeah. this count. And that's kind of like doing the hunting. Another thing that I've I've done uh, in my in my work life is. Uh, when well, we would go to the firing range, just to, to amp people up, physical activity. Do 10 push-ups, and then jump up and shoot your bow. Yeah, you know, Just some type of physical exertion, and then turn around and shoot your bow. That's the best way you're going to be able to replicate a little bit of anxiety. And, you know, you might have had to run up to the top of the ridge to get up there, to get in position to shoot at that mule deer or that elk. So... uh mm-hmm. Simulate play that. that into your practice that's that's like taking it again uh, a step up once you get all your bow tuned in and you're hitting where you want to be and everything's perfect start doing that yeah that's great i
1: i you know the, when you're talking about gear too one thing that really caught me was gloves i mm-hmm. was shot with gloves on exactly and not so much the trigger uh, mm-hmm. the, the trigger was not as worrisome it was the grip of holding the bow mm-hmm. yep. and just that slight difference and Mm -hmm. i've tried to work that in of just that slight chill and you need that dexterity Mm -hmm. um you know really lightweight glove is is great but uh boy that caught me off guard you know so i think that's all good thinking really thinking through um what am i what what's gonna be on me what, what yeah. have i got going on That's
0: so true yeah well, we're hunting in south texas you know i had to put after our first hunt down there yeah. i had to get knee pads because after the first stalk when i was crawling through those thorns my knees were just bloody oh. now i had leather i had some some good gloves on but i had nothing to protect my knees so yeah just just thinking through it when uh of what you're actually going to be, you know, whether you're sitting in the ground blind down here in Texas and October, it can be a little warm. Yeah. Or, you know, whether you're running up and down the mountains or, or, or whatever, just practice in, in the same stuff that you're going to be going to And like I said, gloves is most people don't even think about that until they put them on. They're like, oh crap. I've never <laughs> shot feels, with these. This feels you know? different. Exactly.
1: The knee pads seem to be coming up in my world more. It's funny you say that. Um, I've got those Carhartt ones, the Mm -hmm. big foam pads, and you slip them up into the knee. Mm -hmm. And I've actually been hunting with Carhartt pants a little bit more, kind of the earth tone type stuff. Mm -hmm. But man, I'll tell you, even just cleaning the animal and getting down on your knees. Yep. Oh, geez. It is. That's a nice little edge of comfort, you know? Um, Yeah. Knees are, and my, I have bad knees. I have really bad knees. So I've got to watch for those. So that's mm-hmm. a good point. Well, Just gosh, all these little,
0: all these little things.
1: All these little things. That's right. That's, that's our. That's a, another uh, idea for a podcast name. All these little things. <laughs> sounds like a book club. Bow hunting book club. All these little things. Um, well, dang, Carrie, that was that was packed. Gosh, there's a lot of great info, cool stories, and um, how how can people get a hold of you and and tell them about your
0: podcast. So the easiest way if you want to reach out to me is uh the salty yak at gmail.com. It's my email. So you can go to the salty yak and find me on Instagram. You can go to DarkArcher159 and find me on Instagram. And the reason I have two is one of them is pretty much my fishing and the other one's my hunting. So nice. I kind of kind of they don't always stay separate, but uh you I try to. And there's also there's a so there's a salty yak YouTube and there's also like i said, I think it's dark archer raw but that's kind of like it's just when you when you go on there and look at it it's like just straight video there's not no editing no nothing yeah. whereas my the salty Act, there's actually fishing videos and there's videos of trips that we've done and and that whole thing there it's a little more a little more refined on that side of it and then there's the podcast you can find me wherever you listen to podcast and we're in right. season five we're uh We've got a a Matagorda Island trip coming up where we're going to kayak to a, out to an island and camp for two nights and fish. Uh, wow. We got TAC coming up. We'll do a big old podcast on TAC. You ever been to TAC? You yeah, ought to, I've, been, I've been twice. Oh, dude, I can't imagine going there in Utah. That could be. That would be so much fun.
1: Yeah, they take you on the ski lift all the way up <laughs> to the top, and then you walk down. And yeah. you think like, oh, I'm walking downhill. That'll be easy. I did the knock on course, and boy, that was strenuous, um, but lots of fun. It is yeah. Just, that's a that's a good way to keep your stoke alive. You yep. know, when it's not hunting season.
0: So last year was our first year going, and yeah, you know, we're all we're going all three days here, and it's still there's some of the courses here. You know, it takes you know four hours to walk through, and you better take some dang water because you're you're going to be going up and down, and it's yep. going to be a lot more physically exerting than you thought it was going to be so but just yeah we're gonna go have a blast there
1: that's so cool i love it well gosh thank you so much make sure to get a hold of carrie and his wealth of knowledge uh so much there and fun storytelling i gotta go look up that fun youtube video of your son shooting that go, deer. go look
0: at nicholas's first deer i think yeah. is the name of it so and the other thing adam if you ever want to come to texas i would be glad to uh to host you buddy oh thank if, you. Uh, you think you want to go down and uh Chase one of those crazy ass now guy antelope <laughs> that just is reach amazing. out to him y'all it's <laughs> a it, it's it's an amazing hunt it's amazing it's deep south texas and uh it's just kind of crazy so oh,
1: okay well, i'll i'll take you up on that that is amazing thank
0: all you all right we'll stay in touch buddy
1: all right thanks so much all,
0: all right, right. talk to y'all later